0: Welcome to our week in review sourced podcast. My name's Michael Crutcher, Jordan McDonald. The week's gone fast. Has gone very quickly. I think it's due to the festival of Ainsley's birthday. I know. Which moved at a hectic pace, <laughs> rake <breakneck> speed. <laughs> yes. So the week does feel fast.
1: Yes. And plus plenty busy. So Yes, lots, lots happening. Lots
0: to keep going on. There's a lot to talk about in this episode of Source, I'm going to get annoyed about something. I can feel it brewing. Excellent. As we discussed this Excellent. prior to the recording, I was getting worked up about this. However, <laughs> we will start and just touch on a very interesting lunch that we attended yesterday at Tattersall's Club, which was a lunch about the business of sport. Yep. And uh, I had the good fortune to MC or to, I guess... Moderate a discussion between uh, some CEOs of Brisbane sporting organisations. Kate Davies, the CEO of Netball Queensland and the Queensland Firebirds. Terry Svensson, the CEO of Queensland Cricket and the Brisbane Heat. Uh, and Dave Donahue the Broncos CEO. Terry Reader, the Dolphins NRL CEO. Mm-hmm. And, of course, our sourced uh, friend, uh, Robert Crash Craddock. Yes, and it was a really interesting conversation with the five of them and really grateful for how candid they were about these big issues in sport. But one question that we want to touch on today was a question that was asked about how do you engage fans in this, you know, in the, in the next, say, ten years? And mm. it just seems that there is... You know, so much happening in sport. We talk about sport a lot because it is a real engagement tool with with fans. With the numbers of the Broncos, Dolphins, NRL last week were huge. Yeah, um, and Terry pointed that out in lunch. Just you know, the 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 size of the audience for that game around the country too. Um, so that's why we talk about it a bit. But we just asked the CEOs and Crash. You know how do you engage fans So because we know that it's not just the australian sports here it's the the rise in prominence of the of the u.s sports the nba the nfl uh you know english premier league and other club soccer from europe is 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 big too so it's it's getting harder and harder in a sense to engage fans and um, there were some interesting comments and really good comments well thought out um you know uh, and and a I guess, in agreement that sport had to be entertaining. You've really got to have it entertaining. Um, has to be affordable if you want to go there. Uh, and Terry Svensson from Queensland Cricket noted the Heat had yeah, been... Yeah, the Heat did a really good job of that. Yeah, yeah they, they are quite affordable in their pricing. Um, and then the Rugby League CEOs were talking about, you know, inspiring the next generation, bringing the next generation along, making it entertaining, making it safe. And Crash summed it up so well as crash always does from the man who and actually there was a good moment there when uh, dave donner his microphone just had a little problem with it and crash took the microphone to fix it up now if i had technology going bad god love crash as much as i do i don't think he'd be my choice to <laughs> fix it i wouldn't no. be asking crash to <laughs> fix my technology that's broken. Anyway, yeah, he did a magnificent job in handing the microphone off to someone who fixed it straight he away. Did. He but did. But the intention was good. But Crash did say he thought that this fan engagement and the the sports that will benefit the most in the next 10 years will be the ones, in his words, who own the phone. So the ones who get people engaged on phones. Jordan, what are your thoughts about that? I tend to agree with him. I think it's not so much...
1: Uh, about the sports being played and viewed on the phone, you know, I don't. I still think most of us would prefer to sit at home on the couch and, and watch the game that way. But it's it's that second screen, the engagement that you get yeah. through it. So it's the yeah. way that these sporting teams and organisations engage the fans through that second screen. Um, you know, I've in particular any footy game I watch yep. or watching the Dolphins and Broncos. Yeah, uh, last week, yeah. Um, I was going back and forth with my dad with various bits of content that were appearing up online, and just our general texting throughout it too. You know that that whole experience adds to adds to what it means to, to be a fan and viewing the game. So I think Crash is spot on with that, and that will only continue to evolve too as uh, as teams get more as they get their head around what it means to
0: engage and tap into fans that way. I think it's right. It's you know the the phones become such a companion in games. Oh yeah. Now. And, but, but even even during the week, if you're on social media and you're on the phone, you're reading things about the games or players, moments of controversy. It is. It's it's a it's a great point. Just who can really dominate those phones? And the Brisbane teams do it really well. I mean, you know, we've had steel talent from the Broncos on before. Uh, they do such a good job there. The, the Dolphins are carving out a very good persona on social media that Terry Reader said they don't take themselves too seriously. That's part of what they do. Uh, and, of course, the Brisbane Heats uh, have the biggest social media following of all in Brisbane sport. They do. They it's do enormous. It, they do it really well. And, you know, Netball Queensland, you know, through Kate Davies, have got a pretty cluey leader there. She, Kate's uh, vastly... Well, I thought she was brilliant today. Yeah, she said a lot oh, of yesterday, stuff. Yesterday, it's yeah. getting a getting. A we'll get, I'm dressed yourself. spiffy again.
1: <laughs> I'm dressed spiffy again today. It's, it's two times in one week. <laughs> too much for <in> my brain.
0: <laughs> she, Kate was uh, really spot on with some of her stuff. So really interesting time in sport in Brisbane. Uh, now you're going to bring up something here that I didn't think we'd talk about on the Source podcast. But uh, drum roll, Jordan. Topic two today.
1: Topic two today is home and away, something very near and dear to my dad's mum, actually. She, I reckon, watched absolutely every episode. Really? Absolutely every single one. Um, right. But I wanted to take a minute to acknowledge, it's a massive milestone they've hit on Monday this week, their 8,000th episode. That's really hard to say. It's 8, amazing. 8,000th. Can you imagine? That's 8, It's 000. a lot. Let it sink in for a second. Just wanted to congratulate the cast and the team that have managed to keep that thing rolling for, what, 30 years now? That's
0: 8,000. That's a lot of episodes.
1: It's an enormous amount of episodes, but I wanted to uh, pick your brain, actually. You know when um, you you see videos on online of those people that have reached... The uh, the century milestone of age and the the yep. big question is always you know what's the secret what's the secret to reaching a hundred yeah well in the case of reaching
0: eight thousand episodes what do you reckon the secret source is for home and away no Jordan I'm so glad you asked me because out of the eight thousand home and away episodes look I've got a bit of catching up to do I think I've probably got mm. about uh, seven thousand nine hundred ninety episodes to catch up on oh, okay. However, uh, you can't live in Australia, especially during a pre-internet era, without understanding, you know, that, I mean, especially early on. I mean, they were such big stars, the, the actors in Home and Away. Look, I think it comes down to, you know, sometimes you can overthink TV mm-hmm. in the sense that obviously with Home and Away, one, it's free. You can watch it on Channel 7 without having to pay for it. Yep. So it's very prominent. Um, but two, it's just a relationship-based show. Mm-hmm. set in one particular uh, place and it, I don't think it, it's ever tried to be anything other than what it is. Mm. You know, so th- Look, they're my views as someone who hasn't watched it but <laughs> obviously you, you can't live in Australia and not know it but to me it's always seemed it knows what it is, it knows what it isn't and that's what it does.
1: Yeah, It just seems like one of Australia's comforts, you know. It's just reliable. It's there every time you need it, every time you look for it for eight thousand episodes. And I'm know? always
0: interested too in when you look at the ratings as we often do, it just bobs it's up there. It's still in that list. Every night.
1: Yeah. It still is. And that
0: you know, that surprises me that it gets up so high still. I yeah. mean, we saw oh, neighbours flame out, but I think I, I think neighbours, you know, was probably it didn't have that sort of geographic, real fine-tuned mm. location. Potentially, I know it had Ramsey Street, but it was a suburban street. Yeah, you know, it could have been anywhere. But um, look, again, I've got a lot of catching up on neighbours. Well, do it's getting its so. revival, so you'll you'll be <laughs> oh, able to, well. It's the best. You'll, you'll be, be able yeah. to catch up in time, maybe. Yeah. So look, when I do catch up on these, Jordan, one thing I'll be doing is uh, watching it on a TV, which may be different to the TV you currently watch. Now, when I say that. Uh, This week, we came across a very interesting news story, and I must admit, I knew nothing about this, but it turns out the federal Labor government, during the most recent election campaign, when it was in opposition, Mm -hmm. promised to introduce a, air quotes, prominence law that basically makes sure that local free-to-air TV services can be easily found on televisions. Okay. Yeah. So, in fact... They would be the first apps that any Australian punter would see on their connective TVs by law. Right. So they would
1: sit above your your Netflixes, your stands. They would be be the first thing you see.
0: There you go. You'll see. I'm catching on. That's a prominence law. Who would have thought? Because we all need governments telling us what our TV homepages should look like. I mean, Mm. that's a mark of any good uh, democracy. (laughs) Currently, the federal government is taking submissions on this proposed legislation. And as you can imagine, there are probably five organisations that think this prominence law is a fantastic thing. And, of course, they would be Channel 7, 9, 10, ABC and SBS. Yes. What a laugh they'd be having about this. Now, when you're a commercial TV station and you've been used to riding the wave of government support for so many decades, why would you stop now? And then there's everyone else in the industry and beyond who think this thing is so funny the idea should be in the comedy festival or (laughs) wherever that is. Now, the Financial Review, which is owned by Channel 9, this week published some stories on this prominence law, and good for the Fin Review to do this because the stories brought to light a matter that should be known by more Australians. The Fin Review's first story looked at one of the submissions to the Government Review that was scathing of this idea. Now, it came from... The Consumer Electronic Supplies Association. Now, I like right. this because its acronym is Caesar. <laughs> That's a pretty cool acronym. Okay. So Caesar <laughs> has spoken and it said that this market will base this idea, sorry, will basically blow apart the television market in Australia. So Caesar represents the likes of Samsung, Panasonic, LG, Sony. So basically the big players, the big manufacturers in the Australian TV market. Now Caesar says that these manufacturers under the prominence law (laughs) would need to reconfigure their TV designs at significant costs because they're going to have to have TVs that when you turn them on make you see the apps for the free-to-air TVs straight away. Yep. And that basically means TV costs will go up, and that would mean fewer TVs would be available in Australia. And if you did high school economics, you know that that will result in the price of TVs going up. Yes. Now, CZ prefers a free market approach, that is, all the apps are available. You just had to decide which ones you want to download and put on your screen. Okay, that seems fair. Yeah, what a novel approach that is. <laughs> so who's going to pay for all this? Okay, well, it's you and me, of course, Jordan, because TV prices would go up and the manufacturers aren't going to wear that. No. They're going to make us pay for that. And who would benefit? Well, not hard, the free-to-wear TV channels, of course. Now, the owner should be on them to make sure that they're prominent. Now, Netflix and others do do commercial arrangements with TV manufacturers to have their stuff seen prominently. But that's not a government law. That's just the commercial arrangement. That's a free market of play. Yes. Now, if you're a free-to-air TV channel in Australia, you just rely on the government to basically give you a free ride. Now, we already talk here about the anti-siphoning list that ensures that some sports are given to free-to-air wear 1st to choose from. Yep. Okay, So that that puts a, a mark around some of those. Now, Caesar points out that no other country in the world has a prominence law, so they say in their submission. Now, that surprises me, I must say, because I really thought the likes of China and Russia would probably already have a prominence law in place. But, hey, I'm happy to be mistaken there. Obviously, China doesn't put this in place. Uh, That's just me. Jordan, your thoughts? Well,
1: look, government media, they're, they're constantly complaining on the quiet, of course, that their biggest challenge is obviously getting messages out to the general public. Yep. You know, they don't have the days anymore where there wasn't any social media and, you know, people only could rely on, you know, the radio, 6 p.m. news, et cetera, you know, to, to get their information, you know. Um, nowadays, you know, you've got a lot more to compete with for just the attention and obviously position, yeah, which absolutely. is you know, an important part of this story. Um, I don't think that if the government were to enforce the placement of the mainstream media above the streaming platforms, you know, like Netflix or or whatever else, it's going to mean that the messages get out any better, you know. I think may the best man win, fair's fair, play on, you know. Yeah. Why would you? That's
0: what I think too. It's just, you know, when governments step into these things and governments in Australia have had a history here of really trying not to upset mainstream media in a lot of ways. Mm seen that this one's a bit different here because um you know channel nine which publishes a financial review the sydney morning herald and the age as well it owns all of those it owns prominent radio stations as well around the place mm-hmm. news corp you know it, it it's it doesn't have a free-to-air tv station news corp so i'm not sure what it would think about this but again and we say this a lot on this podcast Just keep an eye on how this stuff is reported. And that's why I complimented the Financial Review for reporting this earlier. Because in the end, there's so many vested interests in Australia's media in terms of where they might be coming from. And you just got to keep an eye on that. But I'm really interested to see what happens with this prominence, or I can't even believe it's called that. But anyway, let's wait and see what happens. Now, Jordan, we talk a lot as well about the metaverse. We haven't discussed that for a few weeks. But there has been quite a significant development this week. In the metaverse world, what has happened?
1: Yeah, there has been a big development and I thought it might interest their listeners. So Disney uh, has closed down its next generation storytelling and consumer experiences unit. It's a mouthful, but there were the, <laughs> the, the unit that was uh, responsible for developing strategies for the metaverse. The division was tasked with finding ways to tell the interactive stories using Disney's vast library of intellectual property, which you know is enormous. Uh, The decision to close the unit is part of a wider restructuring that will see some 7,000 jobs lost across the company. So this division
0: is made up of about 50 employees. All of them now are out of work. So if people just want to – if they – have forgotten a bit about what the metaverse is. Yeah, how do you explain it? Oh, best way to explain it would be the digital and physical world coming together. So you'll
1: pretty much be an avatar in this digital world, but yep. there's real world implications too. You know, it's a pretty much a shared experience with your friends yep. in the digital space. Yeah. Um. So this decision comes after Bob Chapek, which is uh, Disney's former CEO. He hired a man named Mike White to head the division just February last year. So yep. it's only a year old. And the, the goal of that division was to create an entirely new way for audiences to experience Disney stories. But plans for that metaverse showed up very unclear still at that point. The company hinted at possible applications in maybe fantasy sports, yep. theme park attractions and other consumer experiences. But... This story interested me because we know several tech companies have invested heavily in the metaverse. Meta's Absolutely. big one in particular, but uh, the demand for uh, and user adoption on the metaverse and metaverse technology so far has been very slow. So the closure of Disney's metaverse, uh, metaverse so unit raises concerns about the slow growth in the popularity of the metaverse, which has frustrated tech companies that have bet on it with uh, the new so bet on the new entertainment format. It remains to be seen now whether other companies might follow Disney's lead and scale back their metaverse ambitions, or they will continue to invest in the space and hope it eventually pays off.
0: It's so interesting this metaverse, isn't it? Because you know most people think that it's the next big breakthrough, and it seems as though while everyone was focusing on the metaverse, and I think what did we say, uh, ten billion last year from um, Facebook or Meta, correct? In that, While everyone was doing that, AI's just jumped out of the ground. Absolutely. So we focused on on who was going to win the race to uh, create the metaverse for mass use. And, you know, in November 30, along comes ChatGPT and it seems to have been upgraded. We spoke about mid-journey last week, which I know you were messing around with again this week. And it was yeah. so, so interesting. <laughs> so, oh, look, I think this is the, you know, to see what Disney's done here – Um, this stuff's so expensive. I mean, the reward is massive. If you can crack the metaverse, the reward is huge financially. Uh, But how do you do it? So I thought that was uh, a very interesting development this week. Now, speaking of things that happened this week, let's go to Twitter Twitter, where Elon Musk – tweeted this week, and I quote, Musk back in the podcast. Is no it, we surprise. We haven't spoken about Elon Musk for a while. I know, thank goodness. It's been a while. Three days ago, Elon tweets, starting April 15th, only verified accounts will be eligible to be in for you recommendations. The... This is the only realistic way, isn't it? Yeah, well, hang on. He's got a typo in his tweet there. Anyway. Oh, good to pick up. I've stumbled across that. Elon, what are you doing? This is the only realistic way to address advanced AI bot swarms. They sound painful. Taking over. <laughs> it is otherwise a hopeless losing battle. Voting in polls will require verification for same reason. That said, it's okay to have verified bot accounts if they follow terms of service and don't impersonate a human. So this is all about the For You uh, tab mm. on for Twitter and the following. So... If you're not familiar with Twitter, and that's probably a very good thing if you're not, users can choose from, choose from two feeds. The, f- the following feed is basically everyone you follow posting in a chronological order. Okay. The For You tab is a collection of users that you follow and don't follow. Uh, they're putting up things that people think that would be prominent. Now, right. Elon's tweet started the usual frothing at the mouth of Twitter followers (laughs) that any of Elon's tweets do. Now, for the record, Twitter says that since Elon posted that tweet, there's been 106.2 million views. It's been 206,000 likes. So, anyway, people have seen it. The users tried to point out to Elon that his so-called verified users aren't really verified. They're just the ones who pay $7 a month to get a blue tick. So, they're the ones just paying up. Now, I have no idea why you'd really look at the For You tab unless you had been away from Twitter for some time and needed a quick summary. Otherwise, I'm sticking with the following tab because, Jordan, I know it's in a chronological order. Yes. And that is so unique. It is, because it's missing from so many social platforms now. That's it. Like it you, is. There's no secret sauce, if back. you like, for the algorithm. And so like you're not seeing something bob up from you know someone you haven't seen for five years. Yep and you wonder why that's in your feed, yep. the Twitter following tab is just there. It's neat you understand it. Now, of course, Jordan, doesn't this come down to money? Isn't this all about what's happening with money here?
1: It certainly is. We know he's been focused on money. He's under some pressure to uh, improve revenues there. It's, I've, I've argued this before. I think it's so bizarre that you know the model of social media seems to be changing in a direction where – you know, you as the user are the product. You now have to pay for that same yeah, free experience. I yeah. just don't get it. William yeah. Shatner didn't uh, agree either. He did fire up, did not he? He fired up. He went direct to Elon, and Elon yeah. uh, bit and responded. But William Shatner was sort of it was talking more about the verification. He said this is something that you gave me. Because I've contributed time on here, time and week yeah, or something like and that.
0: built up, you know, yeah, the, the, said, the Twitter you know, experience. This is
1: value I've added to your platform. Now you expect me to pay for that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't agree with it and I, I, uh, I stand next to Will. I noticed a few random punters, uh, obviously, more than a few random punters, uh, blew up about uh, Elon's announcement and I noticed he responded to a few of them. And when he responded, all he responded with was $7.00. Nothing else. A cash symbol and a seven. Yeah. As in pay me the seven and you're right. So Mm. he has the right to do that, of course, in this uh, free world, but I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Now, uh, we can't finish an episode, but we did put this last this week just to change up the batting order, Jordan, artificial intelligence. We are keeping it here, what's happened in AI. Yeah, I'll keep it brief. So
1: with all the chat, GPT, and all the AI developments that are going on, there's been a pretty big gathering of AI tech and tech leaders that are going, whoa, let's pause this for some time. So over 1,000 tech leaders and AI developers, and this includes Elon Musk and Steve Wozniak, and if you're not familiar with Steve... He was uh, the designer of some of the first Apple computers. Yep, absolutely. Um, They've called for a six-month pause on the training of new artificial intelligence systems. The open letter, which was penned, is titled Pause Giant AI Experiments, and it cites concerns over an out-of-control race to develop ever more powerful digital minds that nobody can predict or control. The letter argues that safety protocols need to be created to regulate the software and urges governments to intervene if no agreement can be reached within the industry. The signatories argue that new and capable AI regulators, robust auditing and certification systems, liability for AI caused harm and greater public funding for AI safety research are desperately needed. Uh, and the letter follows the release, of course, of ChatGPT4, yep. which is an upgrade of the ChatGPT software, which obviously raised concerns about the creation of, of ever more advanced models with a potential to cause damage to society and humanity. That uh, ChatGPT4 is the fourth ChatGPT update this year. Wow. In case people hadn't been aware yeah. of that, yeah. uh, the letter was hosted on the website the non-profit Future of Life Institute and counts Musk
0: as its biggest backer. It's a pretty good name, isn't it, for an organisation, the Future of Life Institute? Yeah, gives you a pretty broad remit there, isn't it? Yeah, if you want to talk about things. We're from the Future of Life Institute. Look, all I say about this is: if there's anyone here? who was asking for ai to be paused for six months is are any of those people making money from ai hard to say i reckon probably not yeah so in the great journalism tradition of follow the money i'm wondering if now this is me being cynical and i shouldn't be that but uh, i'm wondering if uh, there's a bunch of people making serious cash out of ai at the moment and these punters aren't but they mm. raise some very good points. They raise some excellent points. However, I'm always cynical when it comes to seeing who's making money out of these things. And if these guys were trousering big chunks of cash right now from AI, would they be asking for it to be paused? I could be wrong. Maybe <laughs> not. Maybe not. Uh, How's the weekend looking? It might be a bit of a cooler weekend. I don't know if uh, autumn's ever going to start.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll welcome a cool weekend. I only have the one gig tomorrow night, but unfortunately tonight I've got to go direct from here to a photo studio and do the unthinkable photo shoot. You, this, is, this is the downside of the DJ life.
0: You're doing a photo shoot? I've
1: got old press shots in there that are just so bad that oh. managers go, going, hey, update these, can't possibly send them to anyone else. Really? Yeah, but oh, I'm deeply uncomfortable in front of a camera like that. So what, what do you do for these shots? Like, how do you appear? Not, not corporate-like. I just pretty much hand myself over to those with the camera and say, look, do with really? me what you will, and we just don't speak about it. So do you, do you wear sort of like... Oh, I uh, packed a bag. It's in the car at the moment with about six different outfits. Really? Yeah, which is just
0: bizarre to me. So could we here. potentially, if these photographers can send us the best, could we change your headshot on the 55 comms website to one of these ones oh most certainly yes well, could you could pick good. the backdrop color too yeah oh this is okay i didn't know mm. this is going to be good to uh look out for yeah yeah i'll let you know how that goes well photo shoots say oh, they are just great fun oh i hate them yeah <laughs> well uh well all <laughs> the best with that thank you and now next week of course will be good friday oh yes so we'll have I to go with
1: bloody easter coming up isn't we'll that? have to
0: go a day early we Next will have week. to go daily. It'll be the week in review Thursday edition. Mm. Indeed.
1: Okay. Enjoy the week. I'll see you then.